I'm, I'm going to continue and hopefully finish the series on faith is greater than feelings this morning. Um, and I was just, I was, I was thinking about how often it is that we get caught in our feelings. What we feel so often dictates where we go, why we go, how we go. As much as we want to walk in faith, our, our feelings really do dictate where we go. And, and those feelings might, might be anywhere from pride to, to, to shame to, to not even bad things, just things that guide us away and not being believing by faith. Fear is something that often drives a lot of the decisions that we make. But I wanted to conclude our, our time today with giving two more very, very practical ways of how to overcome your feelings. How It's one thing to understand, yeah, I, I completely understand that, that faith is greater than feelings. That's a wonderful concept. But how do we practically move into that next sphere of letting faith lead us? So I'm giving just two more practical ones. And, and if you're very good students, who remembers two weeks ago? What was, what was just the one that we touched on? We had baptisms, so we didn't get to spend a whole lot of time um, that morning. That's why we're finishing it today. What was the, the first very practical key of how to overcome feelings? Testing you now. We're not supposed to remember the stuff we learn in church. It was a central theme of being on the road of faith. There's victory found. You're not going to find victory. Feelings wants to keep you in one place. It wants to keep you walking around in circles. And when I get over my anxiety is when I'm going to go and do the things that you're calling me to, God. When I don't feel quite as down is when I'm going to go there. I'm just waiting for that moment when I'm going to find freedom in this place. That's when I'm going to transition over into fully walking into the purposes of God. Taking that step of faith and walking where you've called me to go. As the song, Oceans, it so poetically says, Lead me out upon the waters where my faith would have no borders. Jesus, I will do that once I'm feeling just not as tired. Well, I know I committed to, to doing that, but I just, other things came up. I, I'll do that next time. I, I, achieving and, and going past our feelings with faith. So the, the road to victory comes on the actual road of faith. You have to step out into that. And then we, we looked at the story of Gideon, if you remember. And he was terrified. Do you remember he was terrified when God t- told him, he said, you mighty man of valor. He said, I'm a mighty man of fear. And he was still afraid, and, and he encouraged Gideon to go and uh, go out, and he was afraid. But what was, what was the key? Is that he still went. Gideon still went in the midst of his fear. And each time God gave him the next instructions and the next big step of faith that he needed to take, Gideon continued to take it, and his fear was with him for many of those steps. He was still terrified. We talked about the fact that he had, um, God gave him an option once they were already right there about to fight um, the Amalekites, I believe it was. And he said, you can either go take the camp right now, or you can go and take your servant and go check out what's happening. And I'm going to encourage you that the victory is yours. Which, which one did he opt for? He opted for the second one. I am terrified. I'm going to go down with my, my servant Pura, and I'm going to make sure that you are giving me the victory. It is so important to encourage you to step out on the road of faith because you will never overcome your feelings if you stay where you are. Go where he has called you to go. Step out boldly into the things that he's called you to step out into. You will never overcome your feelings if you stay where you are in your feelings. That was what we talked about as far as the first major um, point, and I hope you never forget it in your life. Um, so we just want to talk about two more, hopefully very practical ways of how to overcome your feelings. And as always, 
I love to start with a story. So I used to work in insurance. And insurance, you got a lot of very, very interesting stories of car crashes. And I saw a video this week of, um, and I probably watched it for too long, but it was quite amusing, of people crashing their cars into each other repeatedly. It was an incident of road rage. And, and the caption on the video was, how are they going to explain this to their insurance? You know, what's the story that they're going to tell? And so I remember one, one claim that I got that I was handling. Um, it was a really, really sweet lady. And she was quite sick, and she'd let me know that she was having treatment for, I, I, I can't remember if it was cancer, but it was something very, very serious. And, and she called me up, and, and the first thing that she said is that she was so grateful of when the accident happened. That should be a warning sign right away if somebody's grateful that an accident happened anyways. She said, because I just remembered that my insurance policy had lapsed that morning, and I called in to renew my policy about 15 minutes before the accident happened. And so you can imagine, when, when the claim comes up to, to the level that I was at, we only got the claims that had some interesting details that we needed to confirm um, or, or, or deny. Yeah, that's right. And so, we, we, you know, you would take it at face value. We said, no worries at all. And what, what had happened, her son had, had taken her car, I think without permission, and and he was, he was probably having a little bit too much fun in their back alleyway. And he had crashed into a telephone pole, and he'd knocked the whole telephone, telephone pole over. So this was going to be a very expensive claim. He, he was 100% responsible, so he was going to have to be, um, he was going to have to pay all of the damages that he incurred. And, and I haven't put up too many telephone poles lately, but I imagine it's cost a little bit more than, uh, than a little bit. And so he, he crashed it, and... And they had to call 911 when they crashed it, right, because it was quite a significant crash, and, and everybody was okay. And I'd had quite a few interactions, and we have to get recorded interviews with the people, and so I'd, I'd chatted with a lady, and she confirmed the time when it happened, and her son confirmed the time when it happened. But then when I got the 911 report and when the phone call was made, the phone call was very, very clearly about 30 minutes before their policy had all of a sudden started. So they had gotten into an accident, and they had then, we don't have insurance. You better call them up real quick, and we'll, we're just trying to extend this period of time to, you know. And so they were there. And, and, but I will never forget this phone call when I had to call her back. And we had to have a lot of these kinds of phone calls. So, so I called this lady back, and I don't remember her name. And, and I said, hello, this is Jesse. I just, unfortunately... It does look like, and we were really nice about it. We weren't just saying, gotcha. You know, we, we didn't do that. We say, hey, I'm so sorry. Unfortunately, uh, the time was a little bit incorrect, and, and the accident did happen before the insurance policy, so we won't be able to cover any of it. And she, she told me this. She said, well, it was worth a try, and hung up. <laughs> I'll never forget that. The second practical point of how to overcome your feelings is this is feelings are overcome before they come along. Your feelings are overcome before they come along. I wanted to share a story, just a very brief one, the story of Daniel. It's such a powerful story. I, I was reading it again this week, and I, just, I, I was putting so many notes, and I wanted to go so many different directions, so I just have to save it for another time, for another sermon. But the story of Daniel, we all know, um, Daniel started to rise in the ranks, and he became pretty much the top dog underneath the king. 
And all of the other um, magicians and, and uh, officials started to really be upset with Daniel. And so they wanted to see how could they take Daniel down. And so what they did is they, they knew the only way they could take him down was his faith because he was, just, he was without blemish. He wasn't doing anything that was outside of, of, of good behavior or whatever the case would be. And so what they did is they got the king to sign a law that would say anyone that is praying to anyone else other than the king would be thrown into the lion's den. We know the story well. And or if we don't, it's okay. I've just given it to you. And so I wanted to just read the passage of what Daniel's response was. Because I don't know about you, but if I knew I had a potential visit to the lion's den, my response would probably not have been similar to Daniel's. Daniel 6 verse 10 says this, When Daniel knew that the law had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open. I would have shut those curtains. Towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. And here's the key. As he had done previously. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. I was thinking about about this whole idea of being prepared for something. Who is prepared for everything that happens in a day? I'm certainly not. But when do you get prepared? I was just thinking about my sister's wedding recently. How much time, energy, money, and resources and preparation go into one day where you you have a meal, just like you have a day every other day, is, is enormous. But do you know how prepared folks are on their wedding days? They, they are so prepared. They're like locked and loaded. There is nothing that's going to go wrong. But do you know what I was considering is that I think too often we only prepare spiritually on special occasions that we see. I think it happens so easily. Well, I know, you know, it's like once I find that girl, that's when I'm going to get my act straight. Once, once, and it's the feelings. Once I overcome this, this is when I'm going to do this. I just think feelings are overcome before they come along. And we're often prepared only as much as we see the need for. If we don't see the need today, oftentimes we're unprepared for that which God, or that which is going to come into our lives. We recharge on faith for special occasions. And and like I said, many of us would be getting before his face if we knew the lion's den was coming. We... I think many of us would turn into intercessors like we've never believed if we knew the lion's den was coming. We said, hey, right out the door is the lion's den. If you're not doing this certain thing, God, please save me. Lord, bring your fire down. I really want to go back and sing that song in worship where it says, bring your fire down. I didn't sing it with enough fervence the last time. I really need a a dose of your fireage right now. But how true is it that we often go into these situations unprepared and not having gotten before his face Once I get the job interview is when I will shave. Once I meet someone who needs to hear about Jesus, I'll then figure out how to share my faith. Once my anger gets bad enough, I will get myself right. Daniel didn't start praying and getting before God's face when there was need. He was doing just as he had done previously. I don't know if you've been caught in your feelings before. I certainly have, and I've longed to get out of them. I've longed to feel a different way. I've longed to get victory over this. But one of, this principle, I think, is so important to catch hold of. 
What you do before the feelings come will directly determine your ability to deal with the feelings when they do come. And I I love this point, and I couldn't get away from this. Because of Daniel's daily getting before God three times a day, he was able to keep doing this with an open window. My window would have been shut, and it would have had curtains, and I probably would have put up some blinds as well. I would have definitely been getting before God's face. But why is this open window significant? It's significant because he was so secure in where his strength came from that he didn't have to hide where it truly came from. When the lion's den comes, when the fear comes, when you're stuck in your feelings, you need to know where your strength lies. And you have to have your strength firmly planted in there to be able to sustain the wind and the waves when they come. You get victory over your feelings before those feelings come. Get before his face daily. When you have opportunities to worship like this morning, get before his face. Open up your heart. Let him, let him speak to you. Let him call out that strength that is in you. Let, get that perspective that you need from him because you don't know when the lion's den is coming. But I, I love what scripture says. He had an open window. I want to have an open window of my life that people can look into when the trials come. When those things come along, I want an open window. Get this. Would anybody else have benefited by what Daniel had done if he would have prayed by himself in the corner when trials came? He boldly declared his faith in the midst of those trials with an open window. As feelings come along, we don't need to go into a corner and hide them and try and figure out what what are we going to do with them. We can embrace them with an open window because we know where our strength comes from, because we're connected to the source. We're connected to the Almighty, just as he had done previously, three times a day, getting before his face. That's challenging. He was secure enough, he was faith-filled enough, and he knew where his strength came from that he didn't need to hide his faith in the face of the lion's den. And this only happened because Daniel daily recharged in God's presence. And when opportunity came for feelings or faith to lead, faith came out strong with the windows wide open. It is in our daily recharging that God gives strength to persevere on the road of faith so we can gain victory. I think that is so important because it's not only, like I said, the first point was what? Actually going on the road, right? You have to actually get on the road to find victory over those feelings. But it's not grit and strength that's just going to keep you there and you're just going to fight everything off on your own. One of the most important things, and I couldn't encourage you enough, is to find recharging in his presence. If you are still in those feelings and you're saying, Jesse, this point doesn't mean anything to me because you said I needed to do something before and now I'm in them and I can't find victory over them. This is the core of what I want to communicate. He will provide all that you need. You have to go to him to get it, though. Get before his face to be able to get that which he can give to you. He will provide all that you need. I can remember some of the darkest times of my life. The things that got me through to overcome the feelings was when I had intimate moments of worship with him. It was when I got before his face. I remember writing a song and just crying my eyes out on the piano. Probably wasn't a very good song. But I just remember just powerful interchange between God and I. If you can't write a song, do a dance. I don't know. We're talking about the, the, the Conway jiggle with Andy before. You should find out about it. 
Do what you need to do to get before his face. If you are in the middle of whatever feelings you could, I can, I, my spirit longs for you to reach out to the one who gives peace with no, there's, there's no understanding in his peace. It's just so great and it's so wide. Find the joy that's unspeakable. If those things sound foreign from you, then spend everything that you can to find him because he is the one that changes everything. It's not, it's, it's not really our effort that does it. He does it. On the road of faith is where he will lead you into those places. So if you don't step out, he can't lead you to where you need to go. As you step out on the road, find him. It's the times when I found him that I had the strength to continue going on that road of faith. I love this psalm. I don't think we can read it enough. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Jesus, the lover of our souls, restores us. I can't, I can't encourage enough that if you are stuck in whatever it is and you just want victory over it, let him allow him to restore your soul. It says that that's what he's in the business of doing, and he's pretty good at what he's in the business of doing. He leads us beside still waters. Sometimes he makes us. It's so much easier if we allow him to guide us to those still waters, isn't it? He will restore you, but sometime it will be at the end of your rope. I want to see a body that is restored before we get there. Victory over feelings can only happen if we find respite in the arms of our Father and drink from that water that never runs dry. You cannot conquer your feelings on your own or last minute. It's not when the lion's den comes up that you can now start recharging and saying, you know, I need my Holy Spirit overdose. Get before his face. You need to be fed by God regularly so you can be filled with his perspective when the feelings and circumstances come along that give rise to those feelings. Amen? The last point that I want to encourage you with, and then afterwards, I'm just, I wanted to do just a, a brief recap of our year and hopefully just encourage us with some of the things that have happened. So we'll finish the day with that. The number three is surround yourself with faith-filled people who see your potential. I, I read a psalm last, uh, a, a proverb yesterday. And, and, and there's so many proverbs that talk about the people that you surround yourself with determine where you're able to go and what you're able to do. It talked about if you're, if you're linking up with people that are wise, you will become wise. But if you're linking up with people that are foolish, you will become fools. And I think it's so important that we grasp a hold of, this is not saying to reach out to those that are in need that still might not be as far as you've gotten, but it's saying the people that you're linking yourself with that are calling you up, that you're walking alongside, they have to be faith-filled people who see your potential. Because just as much as we can't do it without God, God has created us to journey and walk alongside one another. Are you connected with faith-filled people who see your potential? I'm going to use this story um, with Jonathan and his armor bearer because it's a powerful one. 1 Samuel 13, 6 says this. When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble. How many of us have been in trouble? I haven't. For the people were hard pressed. The people hid themselves in caves. Saul was still at Gilgal. And all the people followed him trembling. All of the people followed him trembling. I've 
I've thought about this verse so often that everyone around you is in their feelings. Everyone is scared of what this is going to happen. Everyone is, is worried about what this is going to be. All of the people were trembling. And then a little bit later, Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you heart and soul. I don't know if we understand the significance of that. He's saying, let's go and fight an army by ourselves, the two of us, when every single other person is in the caves trembling with fear. I want to surround myself with who, whatever, whatever Jonathan's armor bearer was drinking, if it was Red Bull, if it was the best coffee, I want to be near him. I want to surround myself with people that say, you're insane wanting to go and attack this army by yourself. Can you imagine, would Jonathan have ever moved if his armor bearer said, you're crazy? No, you can't do that. We need to surround ourselves to get out of our feelings. You've had depression for years. You can't get out of there. Stay safe. Don't move out. You you can't get through this anxiety. You can't get out of this this addiction. You can't get out of your feelings. You need it too much. Or, oh, come on, just don't worry about it. Whatever it is, wherever they're speaking, you have to surround yourself with faith-filled people that are going to call you up and that can see your potential. Faith is truly greater than feelings. But we have to connect ourselves with people that have understand this principle that can call out that in you. Be intentional with those you are stepping out on your journey of faith with. To get to the place of faith, you can't go stuck can't go with folks that are stuck in their feelings. Those that are stuck in that which you're trying to get out of will be unable to bring you out of that. If you're cynical about the church, if you have a lot of friends that are cynical about the church, they're probably not going to want to bring you up so you start spreading life in your family. If you have a family that everybody thinks that this is what you're stuck in and that's all that they're speaking, find other people to say, no, you are going to come out of that addiction. Actually, I see, let's go take, let's go take this city for whatever it is. Let's go take your school. We're going to change your work environment. Not get out of that environment, not leave, but how can I call you up to what God has called you to in that standard? In that place, the influence of people around you that you surround yourself with is so huge. And you know this, but sometimes it's maybe good to get a reminder. Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. And you know what they did? They didn't just go and off and get massacred. They actually went and they conquered. I think, I think the scripture says it was somewhere around 50 people or just in, in one go there. But do you know what it says? Is Jonathan knocked them down and his armor bearer came up and he finished the job. He didn't go and do it by himself. He said, do what is in your heart. I am with you. I think that is such a powerful, those that you're surrounding yourself with, they not only will just speak encouraging words, but they're going to step on the journey with you and see to it that it's finished. The biggest thing that I want to encourage here is we can't conquer feelings on our own. If you're in a place where you haven't been able to get victory over something, what are the people that you're surrounding yourself with and what are they doing? You have to be on the road of faith, being obedient to where God is calling you. Step out onto that journey. 
seek his face because he's the only one thing can give you the strength. Oftentimes what we're doing is we don't seek his face and we're out on the road of, of we're out on the road and we're just getting we're getting annihilated by the army. We have to seek his face, but you have to go with people that can see your potential. Faith-filled people. They conquered a multitude of soldiers by themselves, but they did it together. To overcome feelings, you need to have these people that are faith-filled that can call you up to that which no one else can. Are the people around you calling, up, calling you up to a life of faith, or are they encouraging you to stay in the life of feelings? I wanted to share a story. Um, one of the most precious people to me in the world is Angie. Not this Angie. She's even more precious. But her mom, her mom's name is Angie, and I call her Miss Angie because I'm not allowed to call her Angie. Miss Angie, my mother-in-law. And I don't have the relationship that a lot of people do with their mother-in-law. I, Miss Angie is just, she's such a precious woman, and, and she is so filled with the Holy Spirit. She's one of those people that you know if you've put a foot wrong, like she's probably just going to be like, so you did this yesterday at 1023 a.m. Um, have you brought this before God yet? And you're, and you're saying, yes, I, I will be doing that shortly. You know, you just, she, she's that kind of mother-in-law. And so you, you had to be on your A game. You know, I, I was, I was kind of like, I wasn't, I, well, she helped me learn to become like Daniel praying every day. Just, you know, if, if I knew I was going to see Miss Angie today, I better get before God's face, right? I love my mother-in-law, Miss Angie, and so I just, I remember this day so vividly, and, and aside from stepping out on the road of faith, and aside from, from the replenishing times of God, I can't think of another more single, momentous, impacting event on my life of stepping out of some of the, the harder things that I've had to deal with was this moment that I want to share with you. I remember we were in a Walmart. Does anybody know Walmart? It's like the warehouse, but not as good as the warehouse, right? It's, Yeah. If you ever have time, look up People of Walmart on YouTube. Um, so we were at Walmart. We were in a parking lot. It was quite late at night. It was probably around 10, 10, 10 at night. I think we just picked something up. And I just remember I was just so low. I, I, I wasn't at my lowest, but I, I was low. I was really, really low. And I remember Miss Angie sitting there, and she was looking at me. You know, she had that, that Holy Spirit look, and I was just like, oh, no. And I just, I just didn't have energy to do anything. I just, I felt, I felt down. And she said, she said, Jesse, I really need for you to pray for me right now. Do you know that there was, if I could have chosen a lot of things, the last of them would probably have been to pray for somebody else at that point in time. I felt like I had absolutely nothing to give. I felt that I was, I just, I just didn't have the value to be able to bring to anyone at that point. I was unable to do anything, and, I just, and, I, and I'd been in a place where I didn't know how to get out of this. I didn't know how to, to break through this, this barrier that I'd had. But when she said, Jesse, I want you to pray for me, it probably took me a little bit. But you know what? The, with the faith-filled look in her eyes, something in me started to stand up, and I started to pray for her. And I prayed, and oh, it was a good prayer. I'm sure it was a good prayer. I'm sure, you know, the heavens were rocking at that time. But I, I was able to pray for her. And something in me broke at that point. There was something significant that shifted in me. Something that said, I actually do have something to contribute. That I'm not bound by where I've been. That somebody sees I have value and that I can bring something inside of me and impart to someone else. It was such a significant moment in my life. You can all remember Miss Angie. 
But I want to encourage you, do you have people in your life that you're journeying with that when you're in that place, when you're stuck in whatever that is, they still speak words of life to you. They still see that which you have is worth contributing. They still see value inside of you that are calling you up out of your feelings. Do you know, I was like Gideon. At that point, he was still afraid. I was still completely in where I was. But I stepped out on the road of faith with someone else going to God, and there is victory at the end of the road. There is victory at the end of the road. The other thing, the last, last mini point that I wanted to encourage you with, with, with the Miss Angie thought was the idea that we have to be willing to be challenged. I think too often we only want to be comfortable in our accountability. As much as you encourage me where I have good feelings inside is when I'm going to move out. But do you know when Miss Angie asked me to pray for her, I was so challenged. And it would have been very easy to say, you know, I'm just not feeling that right now. I'm just, I'm not quite there right now. We have to be willing to be challenged by those faith-filled people that we're surrounding ourselves with. If you do not get out of your comfort zone and be challenged, you will not grow. And it will be very hard to get outside of those feelings if you're not willing to be confronted by people that you love. It's too often we give that we give that, that very big privilege to the wrong people, and we can be even more hurt as we're challenged or at, at the wrong times. But you need to be surrounded by faith-filled people that will challenge you. And then don't just be challenged, but step out into that challenge where they're guiding you, where they're leading you. There is freedom to be found. Faith is greater than feelings. To overcome those feelings, you need to be on the walk, not on the weight of faith. You need to daily recharge to get the strength needed to persevere. This is important whether you see the need or not right now. You cannot do it on your own. You need faith-filled people willing to see what hasn't come to pass yet and see what God can do in you and through you. Feelings don't just go away because we want them to, and man, I wanted them to go away for a long time. These three things I hope are, are some very practical steps of how to walk into victory in faith outside of that which has been possibly holding you behind. Let's move from feelings into faith as a people. Amen? Let's just pray together, and then we'll do a, a brief recap. Father, we thank you. Lord, I, I so thank you that you are the well that never runs dry. I so thank you that you have put people around me that have called me out when I couldn't see it myself. Lord, I thank you and I declare prophetically over this people that there is victory over that which we are in. Lord, we speak in faith. Lord, as a faith-filled person, Lord, I agree with all of the prayers and the desires in here to break free from that which has been holding them. Lord, that there is faith. Lord, that you have called them to be more than conquerors, Jesus. Lord, we're speaking faith into this environment, Lord. Lord, we need people around us that can see the potential. Lord, and I pray for every single person in here. Lord, I pray that they would have boldness to step out on this journey of faith wherever God is leading them. Wherever out upon the waters looks like for them, Lord, we speak go. Lord, and we also speak to the fact that you are our only recharge source. Father, I pray that we would, we would get before your face daily so we can have the strength to defeat the feelings before they even come. Lord, we need your strength, and Lord, we do, we do pray, Father, for just those relationships to come around side of us. Lord, we speak for us to be a people of unity that go and that can do the things that you've called us to do. 
But Lord, we need to be able to walk outside of our feelings so that we can then speak victory to people when we bring our message. Lord, we give you, we give you all of the glory. We give you all the, all the power, Father, is yours. In the mighty name of Jesus, all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, I, I'm going to um, pop a video up on the screen, and I, I just wanted to do a, a review of the year very, very briefly. And, and I apologize if I miss anything, and I'm going to try not to thank individuals, because just like Bruce said, once you st- every single person in this church has contributed and done significant things. But we just wanted to look at hopefully a couple of snapshots of some things that have been kind of cool. I'm sure we've missed a lot of things, but if you just take a look at the video, and then we'll do a brief recap.
what a great what a great year we have had. We have so just enjoyed and thrived. It has been so cool to see engaging the community. It has been so cool. And, and the last thing that we saw, the Pursuing Purpose, we're hoping to put as many people as we can, anybody that wants in 2017. We've had our inaugural class already go through. We are Pursuing Purpose. We're a church that is going after the things that God has called each and every one of us to do. And we have, we have a lot of different plans for next year. The Pursuing Purpose one, I just wanted to, I'm just going to do a quick review of, of the different bits and pieces that we've had. If I can find all of my notes. So this is just one quote from the Pursuing Purpose. This has been a really timely course for me. I've got heaps from it. Pursuing Purpose has got me re-energized about the work that I'm doing in all the different places God has put me. I am so excited to maximize the impact I can have in all these different places. That is the cry of our heart, is to send each and every one of us as an ambassador for Jesus out into the world that you are already placed to have maximum impact. We, we want to gather and we want to be encouraged. We want to seek his face together. But we, more than anything, we want to be sent into the world around us to have maximum impact. We want to hopefully be a group of faith-filled people that can call you into that which God has called you to be and part of. But we want to go and do. We want to go and be. So that's, that's the cry of our heart. Um, we're going to be doing putting everyone that we can. In. And one of the things that we want to do next year in relation to this is there's five major areas of our life. We've decided family, friends, work, church, and community. And, and as many Sundays as we're able to, we want to have a five-minute slot where we're hearing from all of you about impact that you're having in one of those different areas. We want to hear the stories of what God is doing in your spheres of influence. And so we're going to just rotate through the year and get as many different people as we can to be sharing how is God using you in your sphere of influence in your family, in your workplace, what is he doing? We want to hear, we want to be encouraged. What is he transforming? What is he creating? What is he influencing in your sphere? We're so passionate about that. Pursuing purpose, that's one of the things that's happened in 2016 and going on into 2017. How many of us enjoyed the baptisms and welcoming new people into our church? I love to see that. We have a new name. We have a new logo. We have a new website. We have a new weekly email. We've, we've done, a, hopefully, a lot of great speaking topics from how to pursue a Paul, to be a Barnist, to train a Timothy. We've heard Bruce Billington share on generational transfer. We've talked about how to engage those around us, how to stay free, the potential of an invitation, what, what is in, in, encapsulated within that. Purpose has a name. We talked about purpose isn't just a thing we do. It's people that we serve. We've, we've gone into fasting that Aaron led us earlier this year. We've, we found out, we heard from Uriah and Nicole on their trip to Uganda. We heard a powerful story from Jen Tyson. We'll have, to, we'll have to get her up sometime in the new year very soon to share the completion of the testimony. It is such a powerful story about just a simple engagement and where it went. We've heard from Matt Stott, from Neville Bartley, from Chris White, from Donna Elliott, and from Stuart Corlett. Next year, we're, we're going to hear from a lot more. Nick Field from the street has agreed to come and speak with us. We'll probably get Chris White back again, I think. We've had such a good time as the elders at Manifest Presence. And I just wanted to share a couple of the things. Sometimes I don't know if we know what happens in this building, what Ann and the team helped facilitate and those that were able to serve. And we want to continue serving them with intentionality, those that use this place. So just in here for Lane Park, we've had the Kapahaka come through, Upper Hutt College, Hibs, Maidstone Intermediate, and Hiratonga prize givings. 
We've had the Pine Haven, St. Orans, and Upper Hutt School productions. We've had Upper Hutt rugby and netball prize givings. We've had a multicultural day, a cyber safety event, White Ribbon Family Fun Day. Um, we've been able to have engagement parties, birthdays, anniversaries, open mic nights, funerals, teen parents prize giving, mainly music dinners, toolbox, stroke club has been able to visit. We've been able to have Tay Te- Waipuna and all the other various businesses that are in here. Us as Lane Park Church, what we've hosted, we had a citywide Easter service. We had Excel come with us. We've had a cafe that's just done such a fantastic job serving week in and week out, providing environment for folks. The men have had significant combined church men's breakfasts. They've been able to have a big, out of that came a combined church men's retreat, really encouraging people to get out into the community and plug in to serve. Where is their outlet? Not just to take in, but to pull out. Uh, They also ran a, a significant discipleship program called Reframe. The women have, have been in transition this year, but they've still had, held a couple of events of getting together and understanding the, the unity that is with them and, and the recent movie night that they had. Pips has been continuing to look at strengthening our marriages during the season of our lives. We've had, oh, my boys love preschool. They love preschool. So I just, you know, Nigel and Kathy, I don't want to do too many names because all of those people, you know, there's too many people, but thank God for those that take care of our preschoolers. From Kid Zone, this is, this this just made me laugh when Jenny was telling me. Apparently, when the when the priest when the Kid Zone when they give their offering, they have a basket that's like far away and they throw their offering into the basket. I was thinking we should try something maybe a little bit different in here. Um, I, do we have any volunteers from our offering guys? Can we? You know, everybody just bring two dollar coins, you know, and that's offering might be that might turn really quite a fun offering. But I guess there's some of the stories from the Kid Zone. What? Every, every term, they, they spend something with their offering, and the kids really get behind it. They've, they've helped support Operation Christmas Child. They've bought a goat, apparently, sometime recently, which just makes me smile. Um, they've, they've helped buy supplies for breakfast in schools and, and school, books for, school books for the Pacific Islands. And one of the main focus that they've had this year has been developing the character of God in their lives. It's so valuable. Some of the youth highlights. They, Aaron put on a phenomenal combined youth event. It was, it was so good. A hundred kids from seven youth groups, 14 responding to the gospel message. Neville Bartley came and significantly shared about the Holy Spirit and impacted a number of them. The camp that you saw as we previewed was really powerful testimony and a, and a turning point for a lot of our youth. And Aaron put, there's just been genuine growth and advancement in God through new people coming to be part of the group and responding to God and people that were invited by others as visitors coming along to the group in their own outright. Examples of baptisms. And Aaron also went on a really significant leadership week, two-week course that we sent him on. The pillars have continued to be pillars for us and uphold all that we do. We are so grateful. I am so grateful to be a part of a community that is not a one-tiered community. But the prayer that they've uplifted us and the, and the personally, the, the personal encouragement that they've given to me and the financial encouragement they've given to help people like Aaron go on the journey that they went on. We've supported Corlettes and Claire Russell in Mission Sense. We've done Operation Christmas Child and narrowly let me know that the, between the Wairapa and Wellington, which narrowly and one other lady coordinate, we sent over 3,000 boxes. So that's just significant. We've done Angel Tree recently. John Pringles brought love and life in his open mic nights. Breakfast in school, I just wanted to give you a couple of numbers. Um, this is from Bernie Oliver, the deputy principal at Trentham, I believe. Um, he said that we've, we've provided 1,600 breakfasts this year, and it's been so significant for building relationships. In a nutshell, he said it is invaluable. 
What's that? She, I apologize. She's here. My apologies. Karen Wellington, the principal at Maori Bank. Karen's an easier name to, to know where she is. We've done 2,000 breakfasts there. It's a great connection point with the kids. I love this. A volunteer said, it's, it's surprising to see how much small children consume. And, and the, in a nutshell, the, the, the principal said, it is a crucial part of school life in helping children concentrate and learn. Mainly music. I, I love our mainly music team. Rachel Priest has done a phenomenal job. It happens once a week during school time, but here are some highlights. They've had the opportunity to pray for a lot of mainly music families about specific needs. And one of the ladies that, that they supported last year through her pregnancy and then the loss of her baby has told us that she's pregnant again, and when the baby is born, she'll definitely be coming to mainly music. That's significant. They just did a survey recently, and it said that as well as enjoying the music time, the families find mainly music a friendly and emotionally safe place for them and their children. They would really like parenting ideas and the story during the session. The leaders were able to attend a really inspiring training session, and here's some quotes from them, from, the, from some of the, um, the people attending. We love everything about mainly music. I would like to know more about the Bible and the Christian faith. I really like the idea of trunk or treat as it gives me a safe place to bring my children so they don't have to walk around the, the streets. And that's one of the reasons why we've done our Go Church events is to have a connection point to our community. We've done our Lane Park Spring Celebration, as you saw. We've done our Trunk or Treat, and we've got our Christmas lights coming up. We've been able to really engage that mainly music population where one of the mainly music moms told me when she came to our Trunk or Treat, she said, I've invited five families, and they all came. It's wonderful. We want to continue encouraging, loving, being life to one another, but spurring one another on. We will continue to have as many life-filled activities as we possibly can, but the life isn't just here. This is just a snapshot of what we want to bring out there. Amen? We are so excited for next year. Just to give you a, a snapshot of two things that go church events happening next year. Um, the first one is an Aaron McKevitt idea that he went, when he went away on his leadership course, he came back with, but a, a drive-in or outdoor movie. So we're going to do it in February before it gets too, um, too cold. I've been so looking forward to the summer. Anybody with me there? I've been so looking. I went surfing yesterday morning, as my sunburned face will tell you. I had such a great time. But we want to continue bringing life to our community and engaging them. If you see out on the windows, we've put, it's, there's the story of Jesus. We're in a, it's going to be like the sun. It's going to be really bright out there at night. And so we want to engage our community for the love of Jesus. So the first one that we want to do next year is the outdoor movie. And then we have Jeanette McKevitt and Carrie Oram are spearheading, tackling our second major Go Church event of next year, which will happen probably around April. And they're already starting to get to work. So if anybody wants to help them early, you're more than welcome. But we want to really revamp our community gardens and start feeding as many people as we can with the proceeds of, those, uh, of the gardens. And so they're getting, they're getting just a head start in prepping the garden. And I'm told that it will be a winter garden prep that we do in April. My gardening skills are limited. My granddad would not be proud of me. Um, and so that's going to be our second major one. And alongside that, we want to build a, a little mini food pantry out the front. And we're going to stock that food pantry with canned goods and with the fruit and vegetables from our garden, just some of them, so that anybody that wants is able to come along at just about any time and have some food that they can take. We want to be a beacon of light and hope for the people around us, and we want to continue doing as much as we can to inspire you to walk the journey of faith that God has called you to, but also to go along that journey with you. Amen? We're excited about this year. Has it been a good year? It's been a great year. Let's pray, and we'll close out, and we'll get some yum food and support the fields on their fundraising.
Jesus, we love you. We know that you have done a lot this year, but Jesus, we know that you have so much more to do. Father, inspire us to seek that which you're calling each of us to do. Lord, I pray that you would truly light a fire under each of us so that we can go out and do and have the influence that you're calling us to, to engage the people around us, to be Jesus and and be the light in all areas of this community, in our families, in our workplaces, at home, in our community, even in this church, Jesus. Lord, release and send your people in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.